We talk fantasy. We missed a week, but we're back. Here we are. Kyle Ray, Chet Davis, Tom Gozlowski, all back with you here on this fantasy football Godzilla media podcast. Guys, let's go into it. The New York teams, Empire State of Mind, the Buffalo Bills. Kyle Ray's Bills are coming off an unbelievably great victory for the fan base and the team over the two-time defending AFC. Look at the helmets on on our visual side. Look at that. Hey, 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 I got to stop there or else I'll have to pay for the music rights. The Bills are looking good. The Giants are trying to bounce back from injuries. The Jets are off across the pond against the Falcons. Kyle, I'm going to let you start off. The New York teams are all over the place, but at least from the fantasy football perspective, if you drafted some Buffalo Bills players, you're in good shape, hopefully, on your teams throughout the first five weeks of the fantasy world. You definitely are. I mean, specifically, if you look at if you look at the the top two right now, which is Josh Allen and surprise, you probably didn't draft him until late, Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Josh Allen, obviously QB number three, and he his first two weeks were we'll we'll just call it what it is, bad. Um, his first two weeks, he had against the Steelers, got demolished. Did not have a great outing against the Dolphins, but then from there. Just picked it right up and just and just took off to the Josh Allen that we thought. Um, Manny Sanders, I mean, the dude has just been Josh Allen's favorite target, which is weird to say with Stephon Diggs. And it's not to say Stephon Diggs hasn't been great. It's just the touchdown production is not there. Um, and then if you look at two other two other areas um, that I think some people may have looked at, but I mean, for all of all kickers, Tyler Bass, um, right now kicker number one. Um, in um our fan and our uh, desperate dynasty leagues, which does not factor in additional yardage on f- on field goals. So like, if you go forty or fifty yards, you don't get that extra bonus point. Um, but if you just are looking purely at that, um, Bass is QB or oh yikes, Bass is not QB one. He is uh, kicker one. But then the biggest surprise of all the New York teams, the Bills defense, defense number one. Now, granted, they have they have favored from a abysmal schedule and will continue to favor with that. Um, but they kind of showed out on Sunday night football, sh- doing a really good job of shutting the chiefs out. So, I mean, surprise, surprise, the bills are pick starting to pick back up, seeing where they left off last year. Um, but then when you look at the other two teams, again, we said it last, we said it two weeks ago, there ain't a player on the jets that I'm going to touch with the exception of Corey Davis, probably. Um, I mean, maybe you make a, make a case for Crowder after the last couple weekends, he's looked decent. Um, but outside of that, I'm not touching anything. And then the Giants, I mean, now if you look at what happened after last week, stay the hell away. Danny Dimes down. Barkley down. Um, Galladay down. I mean, you want to go? You want to roll with Tooney and their backup was uh, Big Neck, um, Mr. Giraffe. Michael Lennon. Lennon, <laughs> yes. Um, have fun. I mean, but hey. The Bills, the Bills are doing well. If you're a fantasy owner invested in some Bills players, good luck next week because I'm I'm there. You're I'm my half my team's on by. Um, but do you sacrifice a week to keep the production up there? I think you do. So it's good for the Bills. Chat nope. a lot. I was gonna say a lot there. I just want to say two things quickly on that for you, Chet. I want to go back to the preseason. Didn't you nail the Jet thing that you said you're gonna stay away from the Jets for an entire team in most of your leagues for all twelve you were in? Yeah, the uh, let's don't put me in twelve. I can barely handle the ten that I'm in. Um, but I'm, on the ten teams that I uh, I'm in with fantasy, zero Jets have made it onto my roster. At one point, I actually for a hot second had uh, Michael Carter on my team, but I immediately traded him. 
to somebody else. So I got him in a trade and then proceeded to trade him. That's how much I do not want any stock in the New York Jets. Um, one thing that you didn't mention, Kyle, that I found a little interesting because you and I talked about it uh, either earlier today or the day before. One of the people that's not really eating right now in that Bills offense is Stephon Diggs. So that's probably the, you know, if you put a big, uh, you probably got Stephon Diggs in the second, third round, uh, currently wide receiver 26. And that's because of the emergence of Dawson Knox, who's become a very fancy, relevant tight end. Uh, tight end you. Essentially becoming a must start. Um, I know some people are in situations where maybe you grabbed him on the waiver wire and he's your backup tight end, but he's out playing your starting tight end. You look at guys like, Right now he's out playing Darren Waller and, he, and Kittle's hurt. And he's out playing a lot of those guys that you expected to be better. Um, but so he's getting a lot of the uh, red zone targets, the emergence of Manuel Sanders. And so, yeah, it, it's Stefan Diggs is not keeping up that amazing pace that he had last year. Still a good player. It's not like he's putting up bad numbers. It's just not numbers that you expected from a Stefan Diggs player who led the receiving categories, almost all of them last year. Yeah, it's it's funny you mention mention Sanders because like like you said he's not having a bad year. The dude's averaging over almost over seventy yards a game, but like like I said, the touchdowns just are are not there. And the, and, the, and the receptions, like yeah. he had he had nine receptions in week one, but then four, six, seven, two. Like he was a guy last year that in in half point of football PR, he's getting you eight to ten receptions a game. He doesn't even have to score to have a solid fantasy output. I think that's what Brandon Bean did though this year was like, hey, Stefan, I'm gonna make it so that you're not the only receiver. And and now that we're sitting here talking about the Bills, everybody was high on Beasley too because of how the production, his production's also down. Now he maybe need to needs to shut his mouth. It sounds like he deactivated his Twitter, thank God. Um, but um when you look at it, Manny Sanders and Dawson Knox are now the Stefan Diggs and, and Cole Beasley last year, which is crazy right. to think. So it it's definitely going to be interesting, though. I have, I'm not too concerned with Stefan. The biggest concern I have, I think Chad and I were talking about it, is the produ- the touchdown production is not going to be there. Dawson Knox is the red zone guy. Zach Moss, is, if the, if it's within the five, Zach Moss is going to get the ball at least once. Um, Stefan Diggs isn't going to be the guy running around the end zone getting the toe taps anymore. He's got too many weapons. So um, it will be interesting to see how Stefan evolves throughout the fantasy, fantasy season. I don't think you panic. I don't think you still try to trade low on Stefan. Maybe try to get him low if you can because of the seasons he's having. But do not give up on Stefan. This offense is way too potent. And the one other thing I'll add on that with the Bills is they're not going to be trailing a lot in the second half. So that's the other thing you're going to have to look at is that they're not going to be chasing points. And so if he doesn't get one of those early first half touchdowns, it's going to become you know tougher to make up in the second half with some of the other teams that are other players that are on mediocre teams. Like if you're on the Steelers, they're going to be in, they're not going to blow out anybody. So your receivers are going to be playing full four quarters and getting a lot of routes and a lot of targets. So many good points there. And I want to pick up on that last one. Chet just had about the future of Bill's players for the rest of the season. When we were going through those entire rosters and contributors, it almost lacked the word balance or like Syracuse guys, like I say balance, you know, add that weird Syracuse Jim Beheim whiny accent to it, that it's hard to find exactly if you can get top to bottom good production out of it. And like you just said, are you going to continue to find these guys to make plays? You might look at other fantasy options like the Cowboys, the Rams, 
situation. I don't want to say the Titans because there have been some injuries there, but there have been other the Cardinals. There have been other teams that have fantasy football lines perform better on a more balanced schedule and a more balanced production from quarterback to tight end across the board than the Bills. However, I love that we led with this because Kyle's a fan of the Bills. And when you talk about real football, it doesn't matter. Like that's exactly what you want, what they're doing right now. If you're if you're winning football games and you're moving the football around, it does not help for fantasy, but it makes the Bills a true Super Bowl contender, which is why we see the helmets and the Bills Mafia and everybody in the mix for that. Uh, back to the Giants and the Jets, though. We, I don't think we have to cover the Jets anymore. They don't have any fantasy options. They got nobody else left. For the Giants situation, Saquon Barkley reports when we're taping this anywhere between two to four weeks has been talked about. Uh, the situation with Daniel Jones is a concussion. We don't really know what that means. Uh, that's way up in the air, especially with the hit. They look pretty tough. Probably should have slid a different way. But that's Joe Judge's situation. Well, yeah, different play call. Or that, uh, unless you two have heard something different, the Kenny Galladay thing's like a complete mystery. Like, no one knows how he actually got hurt or what is hurt. That whole thing is a mess. So, with all those things being now laid out there, Glennon, Booker, Tony, I, I don't even know if any of the backups have any value. I think Kyle hit on that a little bit. Chet, you agree with that the Giants run away from them as well? Yeah, I'm in that boat at this point because, yeah, you saw a great game from Tony. But then he also gets hurt, and his status is now up in the air. He also threw the punch. So is he going to be in the doghouse as a rookie with a Joe Judge team that comes off the Bill Belichick tree where you make a mistake like that, you get punished even if it's like – like I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't let him play out of that, like to teach him a lesson. So Tony's a guy that I would want to keep on my team and see how that develops because we saw some of the big play potential. And with Kenny Galladay getting hurt every other game, um, Sterling Shepard's in that same boat. Darius Slayton. I mean, they were out their three receivers. Somebody's going to have to catch the ball. Um, who's going to throw the ball? Is it going to get there? That's another question. But for the most part, like I'm not chasing those players. Like I, I'm not like, ooh, can I buy low on Barkley? No. Like I have never been more right about a prediction than Saquon Barkley. Could I have predicted that he would have landed on someone else's foot and rolled his ankle? No. Um but the guys had a lot of injuries. It was a slow start that we all knew was going to be slow. Now he's hurt again. It, it sucks that it's, it's always his legs. Like, I can't emphasize enough when a running back hurts his lower body. Like, you don't just come back from that and be the same. Like, you injure your shoulder, you can still be the same kind of player. It might get hurt when you get popped, but you can manage that. Managing a sprained ankle with what Saquon Barkley likes to do and on a repaired knee, I want no part of that. That's brutal. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah. I I think there. So I I was doing some looking just as we were talking about it. There may be one player that benefits a little bit. You're going to say Evan Ingram? Maybe. He might. And that's the only one. And we'll we'll touch base on it a little bit in the waiver wires. I mean, he's available in a lot of leagues. He was a really good player his first couple seasons. Right. Maybe he benefits. He has not been good this year with Daniel Jones, but. I mean, that receiving core, when healthy, wasn't bad. I'm a big Kenny Galladay guy. I mean, he barely played with them. But um, Evan Ingram might benefit a little bit just because Glennon might have to do some more short passes and everything like that. But I think even that, you pick him up and you throw him on your bench until you see consistent production. Totally agree with that. Even if, like, a Booker pickup, like, unless you're really desperate on a bye week and you've got no other options, like, maybe he's your guy. But I don't feel great about that. And just back to Kadarius Tony, like, he has become the ultimate Twitter player so far through five weeks. And what I mean by that is that 
if you're a giant fan or a fantasy football manager, you go right to social media and complain about him. And then he had a great game. It's like, oh my God, he's so good. And then like five minutes later, like you mentioned the punch and everything. What an idiot. Like you could have your own thread about Tony tweeting about him throughout the game, which, which brings up an interesting point here. And I want to get to five weeks into the fantasy football season. We are past the three-way mark. I'm talking third of the season and add up the math there, 17 weeks now a regular season plus one eighteen. Trust me, I think it's almost a third. No, six would be. Whatever, depending <laughs> on how long your regular season is. Luckily, I'm not a math major, but let's get your guys' thoughts on the most interesting thing, whether that be a trend, a player's production, a position overall. Chet, I'm gonna start with you. After five weeks of fantasy football, what has surprised you most interesting? However, you want to take that through the season so far. Before I get to my one big player that's been uh, a total surprise, um, I think we need to give a little bit of an update on the bet that we had on a player who's been a surprise. One, Mr. Mike Williams. <laughs> and I was wondering, and people that didn't tune into our last episode, um, Gaz and I made a bet about Mike Williams. That if Mike Williams continues his production, stays as a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy, Gaz will do a show in public without a shirt on. Um, and that was a bet that he came up with himself. Like, I don't know if this is a, a fetish or a dream of his. But it could be fun. I mean, especially after he just had a monster 30-plus week. Should we start, like, removing layers of clothing on the podcast like you just like you take off a sock this week and like every week he stays in the top 10 you take off another sock no and then maybe your hoodie you're gonna start showing up to the podcast with like hats and scarves on. <laughs> oh, um, man. do but, you want to give the update where he stands right now oh my gosh i believe he's he's either two or again we always when we give these rankings typically we're mm-hmm. going to do them based on half point ppr okay um, yeah because it, it does change based on which scoring format you go with. And some people have bonuses. If you're in a bonus league, I'm sure he's even higher because he's had so many big chunk plays, um, a lot of touchdowns. But, yeah, in half-point PPR, he's, he's number one with uh, 20.1 points per game. He just had his uh, 30 with his biggest, but his second game right around 30 points. Um but a couple of 18-pointers. He had a, a one-reception game in week four, and he's still wide receiver one. Um, absolute monster. I, I, my comparison for him is he reminds me of a poor man, Calvin Johnson. The big size, the ability to go deep, you, you just kind of throw it up to him, and like it's almost a little awkward when he jumps up for the ball, but he comes down with it, and he lands really hard on the ground, and you always hold your breath. Is he going to get hurt? He, he got a little banged up in that game and kept playing. But so far, uh, I can't wait to be at that show and watch you strip in public. The worst part is I don't know who's going to catch him now. I felt so confident about that bet that I look at his contenders. It's injury again, asterisk yep. if he gets hurt. It's a wash to push everything else. But I look at who's going to catch him. Like I don't think Jamar Chase in his rookie season is going to be the number one wide receiver. The guys in Tampa, Edwins and Godwin, are going to continue to split. Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs – Okay, one. I got to get four more to catch him, though. The big name. So, because again, we're saying top ten. So that's why I really feel confident for number one. I think Devontae is still going to be the biggest contender. Um, We saw. I mean, he just has the greatest target share. It's the best. It's literally the best formula you can have in fantasy football. An unbelievably good quarterback, an amazing target share with not a lot of competition, and he's really talented. Like it's literally the perfect formula you want. 
which is why in most leagues he was your number one wide receiver off the board. And we've seen it. He's just, he's so freaking good. Um, but for my biggest surprise, like, I guess we can start calling it a trend is Cordell Patterson. I, I guarantee Cordell Patterson was not drafted in your league. Like not even, a, not even a thought. He's, he was a guy that was a popular name five years ago as like this Swiss army knife. Is he going to be, the next Percy Harvin, he's got this return ability and he's good in open space. Nowhere, at no point in his career has he ever seen the type of production or touches that he is now consistently getting on a Falcons team that not only has a bad starting running back and Mike Davis, just straight up average. Like Mike Davis is not a special running back. He is a fall forward and get you five yards if you're lucky. So he doesn't have a ton of competition in his backfield. A team that's going to be trailing a lot. Like, no lead is going to be safe in Atlanta. And he's getting an amazing target share. He's currently coming into this week RB4 in half-point PPR, averaging a shade under 18 points per game. This is Cordero Patterson. Four? Running back four. And just think about how much throughout the offseason – and you're mock drafting, and you're splitting hairs on those top 10 to 12 running backs, Cordell Patterson's number four, and it's becoming a trend. Like it's not – yeah, the three touchdowns, fluky. That, that sways it a lot. But it's not just touchdowns. He had a great week last week without a score. Let me just run through uh, – I should have pulled this up as I was making this entire speech. This we call a live show, folks. So Cordell Patterson – throughout this season, has had target shares. Week one, they didn't know how to use him. He only had two targets. Since then, seven targets, seven targets, six and nine. And the receiving yards, 58, 82, 82, 60. That's good for a wide receiver. And he's a running back who's also getting five to ten touches a game as a running back. It's never would have expected it. Do I? Am, can I guarantee it will continue? No. Am I going to put him in my lineup until it doesn't? It discontinues. Yeah. Uh, he's proved enough to me that he's a part of that offense and he's getting it done. It was Chet. It was on my list of things. I'm Kyle. I'm going to jump you just because it's so close to my trend. I had here. My trend was going to be how bad running backs overall. were really, really looking in fantasy because of Patterson leaping, but you start looking at some of the names that are around the top, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Zeke had a really good performance recently. So all of a sudden you're like, okay, wait, wait, hang on now. Those guys are projected to be pretty good. Aaron Jones had a really good September game. All of a sudden the names that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, all these names that we talked about in the preseason are all in the top 10 to 15 mix. So I wanted to take this take that running backs are harder to figure out than ever before, but it's, it's really not. It almost, what surprises me is that besides Patterson, we knew the drop-off was coming. Like, if you didn't get a top-tier running back, and I know McCaffrey's hurt and Barkley's hurt, and some guys are definitely missing time. But it shows how even more important that if you didn't get your running back from, like, 1 to 15, and we're going to touch on this more for the waiver wire, I don't know who and how the hell you're feeling RB2. Or if you've got three running backs in your lineup weekly, how bad are the other teams running backs in your league? It's been a trend for the last three years. But the Patterson thing puts it to a whole nother level. Maybe the only other thing we can compare it to was Lamar Jackson's MVP season when if you put his running back stats alone for his rushing totals that season, he would have been, I believe, running back 
top seven, somewhere in there. It was really good. So, yeah, I guess the most interesting thing for me is that how much the running backs do matter and how much that flex, that little slash of RB slash wide receiver has mattered. So I guess I agree with you that running backs still matter. And if you find the right one, it can make or break your season five weeks into it. The only guy that I can think of that's like a, wow, I might have struck gold is someone we already mentioned. And that might be Zach Moss. Um, he was draftable. It was like he was a waiver guy. Um, but he's a guy where like you might not have had to rely on him. And now you're feeling confident that he could be your RB2. But aside from Cordero Patterson, like you said, it is all the guys that we expected. And you're not really finding a lot of, ooh, this guy's going to save me. You know, Chuba Hubbard but you should have handcuffed him, you know, like, and we're getting to that point where the only guys that are making impacts that weren't expected to make impacts were back our backups. Cause we've had a lot of injuries to those studs and these other guys are being expected. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the uh, waiver wire pickups. Yeah. I mean, you guys hit on two massive ones. Um, I think for me, the biggest surprise right. to me um, is just, Overall, the Tennessee Titans, that offense that I thought was going to be just ridiculous. They had an offensive line coming back that was healthy with Taylor Luan. Um, you get Julio Jones. You have all of that returning. And we were all just in there like, okay, their weakness is no tight end. Uh, your wide receiver three may be a little weak. But when you look at it, A.J. Brown, wide receiver 78. Oh, you got it. You got to preface that, though. He, has, he missed a week and then he came back from injury. I'll even give him – you could probably give him 20 points. He's still 50. Yeah, yeah. But it sounds really bad for a guy that – because then he also – because then he also – well, it's two games. Missed the – got injured on the first drive three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, sat out. Last week was his first week back. To Kyle's point, today with LeVac, I talked about how I didn't even call him the phenomenal one anymore. That's how far he's dropped off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would even – even if he plays, though, that's that's my other thing. Like Julio, number seventy-four. Yeah. I mean, you you're maybe looking at those two combined top forty at absolute best if they play those games, and I'm I'm confident saying that both of them right now only have com combined for two double-digit games. Highest performing output in half PPR seven or fourteen point eight. Like that's bad. And then when you look at it, Tannehill, a guy, one of those quarterbacks that were like, this is a deep quarterback draft. You're going to be able to get. Uh, Tannehill in, you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh round, Why, or quarterback 20, and he's played really bad. I, I just – oh, yeah, I still have it up. Um, six turnovers, three fumbles, three picks. Um, and then you then you think on the flip side, well, what's how's that affecting Derrick Henry? Number one. I mean, yeah. <laughs> how, if somebody explained that to me, but that's the most surprising part is I was terrified of this Tennessee team. I thought they were going to have real impacts in the AFC. They were going to walk through their, their division. Nope. They have been a, the, probably the biggest disappointment of a team in, in the NFL this year, next to the chiefs right now, just based on the record. Granted, they played three very good teams, but they haven't stacked up to like everybody thought they were going to be. Now, two things to that one I still believe the Titans will make the playoffs. I totally agree on the fantasy take. A.J. Brown and everything else besides Derrick Henry, Tannehill, all that super disappointment. I still fully feel like because how bad the AFC South is, they're still going to represent that division in the playoffs. I'd also like to note that the Bills are playing the Titans this Monday. and We will be broadcasting Godzilla Media live from the hideaway. So, Kyle and Chet, you guys know you have the open invite. 
if Colin wants to continue talking smack to Titans fans in Saratoga as he chugs a, a frosty cold one, you're more than welcome to continue your smack talk for Monday night when your Bills take on the Titans. I'm Woo! not going to need to talk smack, trust me. Uh, <laughs> not, worth, not worth my voice. The one last thing on the uh, on AJ Brown that maybe we shouldn't have been surprised because I think a lot of people just kind of glossed over the fact that he had surgery on both knees. I don't know why that wasn't talked about more in the offseason. Like, I don't know if you could come up with a bigger red flag than a third-year guy having both of his knees drained. Like, that's not good. And so he hasn't looked the same. He then has a soft tissue injury. I, I'm you, You're stuck with him at this point. He might not be playable until you see it. And he's always going to have that big play potential. Because they have to get him the ball if Julio's not playing. Like he is still their number one receiving threat. It's not like so it's not like at least no one's outplaying him. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's not like there's someone who's taken over. It's just they're not passing the ball well. So they have to figure that out. Hopefully AJ is can stay somewhat healthy, but I, I'm not really confident at this point that he can this season. Well, that theme healthy goes right into our two questions this week in the Johnstone Supply in Troy Mailbank. Remember, if you want to write in a question, we'll take the questions via social media. We underscore talk underscore fantasy on there. Kyle Chet's Twitter accounts, my Twitter account, gazagonzillamedia.com. All can happen thanks to Johnstone Supply in Troy. And you can be a part of the first Godzilla Media bus trip Saturday, October 23rd, as we will be going to the UAlbany versus Maine Pink game. You can sign up. It is first come, first serve. If you sign up, you can do it right now. Godzillamedia.com. And don't forget, even though the weather's been beautiful in the capital region, we promise you that the fall weather is soon going to be approaching and it's going to be a little colder in your home. It's going to be heated properly. Is your furnace ready to go? Is everything up to date that you need? People call Johnstone Supply in Troy. Shout out to my guy, George, a former guest on Getting There with Gaz, two-time guest on Getting There with Gaz, Tom and Kevin James and all those guys, big fantasy football players. Tom's in our league. Maybe he'll end up winning the championship or he'll listen to still our points here coming up and then soon to be waiver wires. And all of a sudden the Johnstone team has his spot on it. Sixth Avenue in Troy. Also, one other thing to add, Levac and I will be broadcasting live this Friday, October 15th from 4 to 5.30. So that's your chance to win two free tickets and two free seats on the bus to UAlbany versus Maine, the American Cancer Society, Johnson Supply, and Troy supporting that cause. Hopefully you can be a part of it. GazzillaMedia.com, and we're going to share more information on our Apple and Spotify link right here if you want to sign up for the bus trip, Johnstone Supply in Troy. All right, let's get to our two mailbag questions. Our first one's coming from our guy, Josh. Josh said this, Juju Smith-Schuster, I have one year left as a dynasty keeper player. Is it time to dump Juju Smith-Schuster? No. You should have dumped him a year ago. Ah, there it is. What are you doing? I knew Chet would love this one. I mean, unless, unless this is a dynasty format that I'm unfamiliar with. No, yes, just get rid of them. Like, uh, after what we saw last year, and it's carried over into this year, he's, he's not the guy that we saw playing alongside Antonio Brown. He cannot carry number one targets. He now has Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. And now, isn't he, he's done for the year. Done for the year. Labrum injury, dislocation. <laughs> Different than the Baker Mayfield labrum injury. Is a, I yeah. consider myself a labrum injury specialist. Different injuries on that style. But, yes, he's done for the year. And so he's looking at potentially keeping him for next year. 
Yes. One year left on no, his keeper. No, no. Because they, we've already seen the production fallout of Big Ben. Big Ben's not what he once was. So this is not a team that throws for 350 anymore and three touchdowns. We don't know what that's going to be next year. Is it still Big Ben? Is it Dwayne Haskins? Is Juju on the team? Because remember, he's got one year left on his contract. He, he just not to cut you off, but like that's the big problem is that Juju maybe of any NFL player the last five years, non quarterback, non running back. I think they're in a whole different. No, quarterback's fine. Running back's a whole different thing. But Juju screwed up. Him and arguably Aaron Jones this offseason both should have left. Now, Aaron Jones is fine. He's at the Packers. He came back to Rodgers. Running back again, different spot. But Juju should have, in 2020, COVID threw this off. He probably shouldn't have been a stealer. He should have went somewhere else and got paid. He bet on himself and did not cash in for him. Yeah. I think there's one, like, 1% that you keep him, and that's if he goes to, like, the Chiefs. And he goes to the right side of Tyreek Hill. I even even then now Gordon's there and Gordon had some good catches. I there's that one percent if you get to if you get to wait all year and, and wait till you're about to draft to say, oh duh, Juju Smith Schuster traded to the Bills, the the Ravens, the the Chiefs. Okay, maybe roll the dice, but there's ninety nine percent that you say, Hell no, do yeah. not keep him. There's a chance when you look at it too, like just roster structuring wise, that they have Claypool and they have Johnson and they have a pick in the draft. They could have easily said, we're going to take a flyer and a fifth round speedster from a big 12 school and say, all right, Juju, we're just going to cut you instead. Like we're not going to trade you. You're just going to, you're not going to be on the roster next season. So yeah, like you guys both said, luckily, hopefully for that league, you don't have to make a decision until August, unless he lands on a ridiculous spot, which I would bet against because again, her injury, not as productive. He's going to have, a tough road ahead for the rest of his career, unfortunately. Even though he's a fun player on social media, he has not been anywhere close to what he was in 2017, which got us four years ago now at this point. He's one of those guys that I could see. I don't I wouldn't blame him or judge him, but like he's gonna try to cash in on a bad team. Like a team that has cap space that's gonna be willing to overpay, maybe get a lengthier contract. Like he's yes. not he's not at a point. There you go, Detroit. Like go somewhere that has a really bad receiving core that has money to spend. And because and maybe a team that just wants some fan support. Like people know Juju. Like he's one of the more popular players in the NFL because of his esports and he's in commercials and he's got funky hair. His name's Juju for God's sake. So like I could see a team like a Detroit that's like, hey, this guy's gonna put some uh asses in seats. Let's bring in Juju. Uh I, he's not at a point in his career where he's gonna do the Emmanuel Sanders. And go less money just to try to chase a title. He's not at that point in his career. He's still a young enough guy that he's going to want a three or four year deal from a, a team that's willing to pay that. And the only teams willing to pay that are going to be bad teams. Yeah. Two things out of that you guys know my favorite Juju Smith Schuster fact is that his real name is John Smith and he changed it to Juju Smith Schuster. How different of marketing you can do. And two, he was 20. He was 20 when he was drafted. So you're right, Chad. He's got a lot of years left if he yep. decides to cash it at some point. Uh, the second one is a very interesting one coming from our guy, Ben P., who wrote in, I have Odell Beckham Jr. Did I cut him? Oh, my gosh. This goes perfectly into our next segment. But we'll just do it right now. This is actually a part of the Start, Sit, Dump segment. Look at this. We'll just we'll just switch up the banner. Boom. Uh, but let's start with that one because that was the first guy I wanted to talk about was OBJ. And so to give you guys some numbers before we answer, looked good in his first game coming out of injury. 11.2 points in his return for Cleveland. But in the two games to follow, two receptions on seven targets for 27 yards, two receptions on three targets 
for 20 yards. So he has gone backwards in every game. And these are games that, like, did y'all just did y'all watch the Cleveland game this past weekend? It was insane. They, 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 they get scoring record between the Chargers and the Browns, and OBJ gets 20 yards. That's a glaring concern. Um, with that being said, I'm not cutting. He's still like if, if you have to bench him, you can't blame you at all. Like he's not a startable, a startable player, but he still would be a high end bye week play. Like he's worthy of getting those kind of starts in your season. And so, but once you get past the buys and you, if there's no drastic improvement, sure, go ahead and cut them. But with this much season left, I'm still holding on and that maybe he can get you a couple big games when you really need a wide receiver or a flex play. I am still, well, that's actually, I'm putting that as a sit for my, I, I am, I am close to dumping. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> Can we clip that? Just that soundbite alone is so good. God, Chet did not hesitate. He knew it was coming. It was like you set you up for it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it, it you have it. to clip that and send yeah. that to me. Yeah, that, that I, am, I am so close to talking. <laughs> oh, I'm a child. There's my TikTok fame. Yeah. Um, um, I am. I am close to dropping him. Um, and the main reason I would say drop is because of the Baker Mayfield injuries. Um, he has not looked right. But again, do the Browns explore trades right now with OBJ? His contract is not egregious. It's not great. Um, it's 15 mil and it completely hits your cap. Um, so it is high, but he may get lucky and go get traded to somebody that needs some help or somebody that may may have the space that kind of similar to Juju. He'll have better production. He'll get people in the seats because of the the one-handed catches and everything like that. So I agree. Sit him. Not ready to drop him yet. Um, I mean, if this continues and there's no no sites of trades going on, you might need to you might need to get rid of him. It's almost as if they're keeping him on the roster because Jarvis Landry's hurt. Because if Landry was healthy, how different would the offense be and everything else? They're still productive without those guys. Like you know, I know Odell's obviously on the field, but. Like we all said, like the Charger game, it's Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Those are the guys. The offensive line's great, and Baker's the non-throwing shoulder injury. He's fighting through it. He's doing just fine. And if you want to get crazy in the two QB league and pick up Case Keenum as a backup and let him sit on your bench and be like, the kid broke every record in college. They might let him throw more than Baker did. Baker's a Heisman Trophy winner. Maybe Keenum he could do the 2017 thing again where he stepped in for the Vikings and almost led them to do a Super Bowl. So uh, to the Odell question, though. He is basically, and a lot of fantasy football managers will get this comparison, he's basically turned into Will Fuller when he's on the Texans, where there's potential every week that he's going to get like a 25-point game, but you're going to miss it, and he's going to be on your bench, and you're going to be like, oh, my God, Odell had 20, and he's on my – that's what he's turned into. Jack yep. mentioned the bye weeks. Like, sure, how many starts is Odell going to get on your team? Three? I mean, over under two and a half depends on how big your league is. If you really are in a spot that you've got Odell Beckham Jr. on your team and you're considering cutting him, I would say your roster's got to be really good or you're in a really small league, like eight to 10 teams. If yep. that's the case, go for it because he's probably not giving you enough at that point. Uh, that's the best way to put it. Is that I, I can't imagine that there's six or seven bench players who are better than OBJ if you're in a 10 to 12 team competitive league. So at that point, you're just stuck with him. You wait. 
you plug him on bye weeks and you pray. And the other thing you pray for is that he puts together two to three great games and then you trick somebody and you get rid of him as quick as you can. Try to get that stock to go up and then sell. I would sit him by the way too. Very yeah. close to a dump, but not close enough. So Kyle's full prairie dog. You're just like, you can feel it. You Depends feel on the meal. <laughs> Kyle's at Taco Bell. That's right. Uh, Goss is at Olive Garden. Um, okay, uh, let's do another receiver. Uh, start, sit, dump. I don't know if we did this one last time. I'd be bummed if we already did. Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk has one game over 12 points. His season high in a game is 37 yards. I think coupled with the fact the quarterback situation is very concerning. Trey Lance is now injured. They are on a bye week, so you don't have to make this decision immediately. Um, but Trey Lance got banged up and is having a real hard time throwing the football consistently. And when Jimmy G was playing, he was also hurt. Brandon Ayuk wasn't getting on the field either. So I am actually comfortable full-on dumping, uh, double flush, Brandon Ayuk. 100%. I mean, total of 15 targets across five games. Like, no. Get rid of him. Um, you hit really you hit really well in the quarterback situation. Um, I don't well, think – Can I say one thing quick, Kyle, since we're, we're both agreeing? I'm not just going to dump to dump. Like, I'm dumping for a need. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not just going to do it because I'm frustrated. Like, you want relief. I'm, I'm doing – yeah, I need someone who I can comfortably bring in to my bathroom. And, like, like some poopery. I need some poopery for Brandon Ayuk to make it smell better on my roster. You know what I mean? So, like, don't just do it because you're like, oh, my God, this guy hasn't produced. Like, if you if there's no one better on the waiver, then just keep Ayuk on your bench and don't look at him. But if there is someone else on there – like, I mean, a couple weeks ago, it would have been the Emmanuel Sanders, or maybe it's now Kadarius Tony. Guys that have actually produced and might have some upside, go for those guys. But don't just do it to do it. Continue, Kyle. No, I mean, I, I don't really have much more than to, to drop him. He, yeah. He's been bad, not on the field. Seems like he's in the doghouse. Um, and then the only player that's getting targeted is Debo right now. So, yeah. now I don't see any reason why you need to keep him. We're going three for three on this and just two other things to add. One, does it feel like every year, the last five years, the Niners get crushed with injuries? Like, I feel oh, like every season. I don't know if it's the, the field, the cleats, the gear. The, the trainer. Oh, man. my God. The Niners every season. And back to the Trey Lance thing. I'll stick by this point. I still don't know if he's good. Like, no, just flat. Like, you look at the he's rookie order. He's right? an athlete, but besides no, that. No. Yeah. If, if we go back and watch that Cardinal game, just like the other rookie quarterbacks this season, and some are starting to figure it out a little bit more, like Lawrence looked better. Like they have flashes. All of them have flashes of like, okay, I get it. The Lance thing, he just tried to run against Arizona. And there are plays in that game you're just like, oh, man. Like he barely played at North Dakota State the last two years because of COVID and everything else. He didn't play much in the preseason because the preseason is now shortened. He just tried to outrun everybody, and it's like, Dude, it is not FCS anymore. You got J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. You cannot do that. And you can just see the plays where it's like, oh, man, what do I – how do I How do I do this? And George Kittle's hurt. Yeah. Right? George Kittle's banged up. So, like, Ayuk, I'm, we're going three for three. I feel like Ayuk has gone from – at some point this summer, we may have discussed him as a sleeper on the wide receiver ranking show to 
sit to dump. So we've watched the full dumping of Brandon Ayuk on the We Talk Fantasy podcast. We are in the water. Um, Another example that I would give of what to do with Ayuk is he's the guy when you start planning for bye weeks. Kyle brings up the Bills are on bye next week. He's the guy that I dropped this week for the quarterback I need that week. Mm-hmm. I'm, like he's the guy where like he's exposable now. No, disposable. There you go. He's I'm exposing him to the toilet. But like he's the disposable guy where I'm if I'm planning ahead, if I'm playing the long game, he's the one that I'm getting rid of on my bench. Um, last one. And this is for any of these players you want to throw out there. What are you start sitting or dumping on the Ravens backfield? Oh, any of them. I, I I don't care which one. If you want to go with Tavius Murray. You want to go Tyson Williams? I think we can all agree. Uh, Freeman got dumped a long time ago. Like he is just like he's a dingleberry at that point. At this point, um, <laughs> yeah, this is, we're going wait. This is the greatest. This, uh, this needs to be an every week from now on. Uh, yeah. I I will dump everybody but Latavius Murray. But my mind is going like this. Just to add to your equation here, because my thought was, what about the Texans? And what about the Jets? And what about the Broncos? I had like four t- – and Melvin Gordon's in that mix. I know Melvin Gordon had a good game earlier this year. But I was like, if we're going to dump the- – had some flashes. Yeah. Wow. Like, if we're going to dump the Ravens, we could probably like group in three to five other NFL team backfields that might be just as bad. Like the Falcons? Oh, Patterson counts now. So Patterson doesn't – yeah, Patterson doesn't work anymore. Patterson is a slam dunk. That's a great yeah. example. Because it's – there's no consistency on who gets the goal line work. They're all just like in the same level of just being decent and not not producing on a consistent. So I like the Texans. I, I'm at the point with the Ravens. Same thing as probably OBJ. I'm only reason I'm keeping is for a bye week. If I if I have to play Latavius Murray, you pray that he gets into the end zone. But uh Tyson Williams, I'm probably dumping. Um and then hope that Tay Tay might just have a game where he falls in for you. I think the only one you sit is um, Latavius. I was, I was actually kind of doing the comparison portion because I think we're all in agreement. The only one you would even hold on to is Latavius Murray. I find Latavius in the exact same position as Lavisca Chenault right now. Somebody like everybody thought the Ravens running back was going to have a good year. So yeah, we lost J.K. They lost Gus Bus or everybody. Now Latavius is in there. You're like. If, if, if we knew Latavius was going to be the starting back at the beginning, we'd be like, yes, Latavius. A lot of us were like, LaVisca, I think, is a late-round great pick. Like a fifth-round, sixth-round good wide receiver that you can get. And he hasn't done anything. And now that there's multiple wide receivers out in uh, Jacksonville where they seem to just throw the ball. So I find it in the exact same spot. I'm not ready to dump Latavius. I want him to sit there for that bye week and then play the matchups a little bit. Do they get a good again go against a bad run defense? I mean, do you look at it that way? So I'm not ready to to dump him. I'm not ready to start him unless it's a good matchup. The other thing that hurts Latavius Murray is that even last year when they had healthy J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, they like to not overload. Like they don't like workhorses. They like to split things up, and so it is going to be a committee. And it's, it's been that way. That's what Harbaugh does. So it does not help your case that. Your talent has gone down in the backfield, but they're still keeping it kind of even with the guys they give the ball to. 
And then you have Lamar Jackson, who's the number one running back on that team. So, yeah. And just to end to that Chenault thing, some fantasy people on social media have now renamed LaVisca Chenault because, especially in bonus leagues, where he's had a game this season where he not only got knocked out at the one yard line, not a touchdown, he also got a 99 uh, receiving yard game. So, missed the bonus in some leagues. He's been renamed LaVisca Shitnuts because he's costing people games and he was between eight to 15 points this season. Shit nuts costing fantasy football managers across social media. Okay. Who's our shit nuts of the week? LaVisca Chanel every week. He already wins it. Well, or that or the waiver wire. And before we get to the waiver wire and our look ahead to the weekend, we got to give some love to our friends over at Mohawk Honda. Don't forget, take advantage of the Kelly Blue Book offer. Looking for a new ride this fall, hitting the tailgates, the great sporting events and more. Do it in a ride that you can trust going through upstate New York. It happens at Mohawk Honda. Say what's up to our guy, Greg Johnson, who runs a great job over there. Cam McKenna, who I got my pilot from and love my vehicle. Going to say what's up to my guy, John, in service. Coming up on Friday, October 22nd. I either need an oil change or something else is wrong with my vehicle. That's why I trust John when he tells me, guys, I'll take care of you. So many people need that in your life. So whether you work with the sales team or the service team, they're going to help you to make sure everything is great for you and making sure you're safe out there, the Harrington family and more. Take advantage of the Kelly Blue Book offer where you can walk off the lot with a pre-owned vehicle or a new vehicle that's going to fit your lifestyle and your budget. Mohawk on again, LeVac Goss, Godzilla Media, Friday, October 22nd. We broadcast live from 3 to 4.30. Best day to stop it and make the changes for your ride. Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. All right, waiver wire moves. Uh, you've kind of heard the description already. You can see Kyle's face on the visual side. Kyle, how would you describe what's sitting out there in the waiver world? Yikes. Uh, it might be the <laughs> shit nuts. The, that's right. <laughs> shit nuts. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to skip over the, the obvious two because we're having a discussion on, on those in a second. But when you're looking into deep waiver wire ads, I really barely see two. One might be a solid pickup that – if you're not solidified at the tight end spot, might be a good one. Ricky Seals-Jones might be worth the waiver wire ad um, with the injury to Logan Thomas. Last week he saw eight targets. Um, Ricky Seals is not going to blow the top off the building, um, but he got a consistent target share even the week before one, after Logan Thomas got injured. He had four targets. Um, so it might be one of those bi-week guys, or if you're really weak at the tight end spot, might be worth adding if you got an open roster spot to grab Seals-Jones. Um, and then I'm also looking at still Tim Patrick is available out there again with the injuries to that Denver wide receiving core, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, they like to throw the ball. Their two running backs aren't great. Uh, both have some flashes, but they aren't great. Um, Patrick over the last two games, 15 targets, um, 10 of them catches. He has eight, he got 89 yards last week, um, has double digit points in five of four. So might be a decent add as well for a flex roll from there. Um, but when you're looking at the top two waiver wire ads this week, we've talked a little bit about all the injuries that we've got. Um, if you're looking at a waiver priority order, you've got Devin Booker uh, for the Giants stepping in for Saquon Barkley and Daryl Williams stepping in for CEH. Um, I look at a little bit of a concern with Daryl Williams, and the reason I say that is because Jarek McKinnon got in there a decent amount last week. Um, so in my opinion, if I absolutely needed to get a running back, uh, for a temporary solution, they're saying, uh, Barkley, I think they say two to six weeks. They have no idea. It's a sprained ankle. It could be two weeks. It could be six. Um, I think I'm leaning on the side of Devonte Booker. Um, I know even the beginning of the year when he was kind of sharing, he looked pretty bad. Um, 
but when you look at what's coming up from a schedule side, you want to kind of probably sit him these next two weeks. But then they have okay matchup against the Chiefs and the, and the Raiders. Um, Raiders without a coach, who knows what's going to happen there, but the Chiefs have, are um, vulnerable against the run. So I would probably lean closer to Booker. Um, however, if you are in desperation mode, needing to get a running back onto your roster, I'm not going to say I'm willing to waste a waiver priority on these guys. I'm not. I don't think it's safe. I don't like it. Um, I think you're better off trying to trade, trying to finagle a deal somehow to get a low-end running back um, over wasting your waiver priority with one of these guys because neither of the injuries are season-enders and neither, and both have their vulnerabilities with either performance or um, potential hawked touches. Yeah, you may have a great point with Jarek McKinnon. I'm honestly surprised he hasn't gotten more run, even with a healthy CEH. Because McKinnon is a few years removed from being that like super X factor guy, bigger than Darren Sproles, but the same kind of like change of pace that like is a nightmare for defenses. I thought like Andy Reid would have been able to use him, like just to blow things up on uh, you know defense to be able to contain that offense. Um, so that's a great point. I lean a little bit more towards Darren Williams just because I think the offense. Actually, I know the offense of the Chiefs is better than the Giants, so you just look at more scoring opportunities. Um, when they get in the red zone, Andy Reid, as we've seen, will try to get the ball into anybody's hands, uh, whether it's Travis Kelsey on shovel passes or Tyreek Hill on jet sweeps. So it's not like you get into the five and you're like, oh, here comes a Daryl Williams touchdown. That's not guaranteed. But that's the only reason I lean toward Daryl is that there's going to be more scoring opportunities. Um, I actually covered him in college. He's just been like – he's a career backup. He was a backup at LSU because he dealt with Fournette and then he dealt with Darius Geis. Um, what a career that guy had. And then uh, – you know, he's been the backup in the NFL, but he's like shown that he can be, you know, he's one, he's one speed, one direction, but he's, he can get it done. And he actually, they used him a little bit in the passing game against the bills when CEH went out. So um, for Devontae Booker, he's actually uh, not to jump ahead on topics. He's my number one sit this week, 13.1 in uh, half point PPR. No freaking way. There's no way Devontae Booker gets double digits. I, I don't, I don't buy it. I love this because in the second banner, and I was thinking about something on my spot there too with Daryl Williams. I put in a claim for Williams in one of my leagues. Now I'm sitting seventh on the waiver list. I know I'm not going to get him, but it's worth a shot. Uh, the McKinnon thing is I'm fascinated by McKinnon because you guys know one of my favorite things to watch is Sunday mornings when we do our show from the hideaway. And we're going to Monday nights here with the New York teams coming up. So just a little schedule program, guys, let me do a note. Hideaway shows shift into Mondays for the October 18th and the 1st. McKinnon feels like the ultimate, if you don't grab him on the waiver wire, I feel like people are going to wait till Sunday and be like, okay, my lineup stinks or this guy is hurt. I'm going to run to the waiver wire and grab McKinnon. And we've talked about this a lot. Sometimes those late ads mean that somebody saw something in a matchup, kind of like I call it the old uh, barn money at Saratoga. Somebody saw a horse they liked walking to the track and they put in a claim for McKinnon at the end or just claiming because they didn't need to do the waiver priority. So I'm fascinated by McKinnon. Uh, Chad, I want to go back to you because I've already got the graphic ready. And I feel like this – we like the evolution of We Talk Fantasy has been fun. Like back in the day, we'd go through each position and tell you who to sit, who to start. And what I've kind of liked about this new non-traditional format, the new podcast world, the visual world, is that especially for – DraftKings FanDuel players, how we've kind of made this smaller, it makes it easier for them. We don't give them a lot of love on this podcast, but when we give them a favorite stay away from player and favorite player, 
I think it's been helping out our not season long fantasy players, but weekly fantasy players. So I'll go back to you, Chet. You said your favorite sit. And if you've got another favorite start across any position, Booker's your sit. Again, one more reason why. And then who do you really want to see in lineups this week? Yeah, the Booker thing, and we've kind of talked about it already in this podcast. We don't know the status of Daniel Jones. Uh, it's not a great running football team. Devontae Booker is not Saquon Barkley. Uh, he's, a, he's an okay player. He, he's had some moments in his career uh, when he was with the uh, – I believe it was the Oakland Raiders when he was there. Maybe one year with Vegas. I don't know what, where, what city they were in when Booker was there. Um, but, yeah, I just don't love the offense. Like They, they, they couldn't move the ball against Dallas. Uh, it's not consistent enough for me to be like, that's a guy that – I'm going to pick up on the waiver and immediately play unless you have a bye week that hit you pretty hard already. Um, so yeah, I'm staying away from Booker. My start, uh, this is going to be a touchdown guarantee, which has not worked for me this year, but hopefully this is the, uh, the week that it happens. Chase Claypool gets in the end zone. Now, no longer having to worry about Juju Smith-Schuster. It becomes Claypool and Deontay Johnson. They play Seattle. That's a game. Good luck figuring out. Like if Russell's playing, you're going to have to keep up with that offense. With Geno playing, I have no idea what this game is going to look like. But that defense uh, hasn't been great against the pass this year. It's been that way for a couple of years. Uh, Claypool's at 12.1. I think that's very attainable. I think Claypool gets in the touchdown. We're going to see hopefully the guy that we saw in his rookie year. where He might have a stretch here where he's going to have high reception games, close to 100 yards, and a lot of visits to the end zone. My mind is spinning after that analysis of Steelers Seahawks. So I like my wagering and investing money is like, okay, I want to go to Rivers, uh, yeah, Rivers Casino and go money on Claypool to score over Seahawks Steelers because people are going to bet against Geno Smith. So now I'm like, oh man, how quickly can I get to Rivers? Kyle, I'm going <laughs> to jump the gun on you just because I feel like I'm going to steal one of your picks. Uh, and that's one of my sits this week. Yahoo right now has projected is the 22nd highest wide receiver, 12 and a half this week. They have Julio Jones. Now, as of this taping, Julio Jones has not even confirmed he's going to practice this week. But Mike Rabel said we're going to find out this week. And the Buffalo Bills have allowed the fewest points to wide receivers this season. Think about how amazing of a stat that is. But the Bills have played so well. And at times they can maybe even blow teams out if they needed to because the talent's on the roster. They have blown teams out. How the hell are they not giving up more yards to wide receivers in garbage time? That stat blows me away. Yet Yahoo has said Julio Jones, if he plays, is going to be a top 20 wide receiver. Kyle just said how disappointed the Titans were and how good Derrick Henry. I don't get that projection. So even if he's healthy and playing, unless it's a glitch in the system right now by Yahoo, <laughs> run away from Julio Jones. On the opposite side, I think the quarterback who's going to have a big game, and if you're watching, you see my Buccaneer raise the flag Super Bowl champion shirt. I was blown away by Mac Jones. Mac Jones and that game he played against the Buccaneers on that Sunday night, I thought Tampa would destroy New England. That game was about Mac Jones. Now, with that being said, can Bill Belichick outcoach Mike McCarthy? I think that's a fair take, but Dallas is way better than the Patriots, so I'm good either way. Either Bill Belichick outcoaches McCarthy or Dallas destroys New England and Mac Jones just gets to throw the ball like crazy in the second half. So I'll take either one of those scenarios. I think they work in my favor. I like Mac Jones to finish around the top eight this week in fantasy football. Does Trevon Diggs get an interception this week? Yes. Two? <laughs> two. Gosh, that's two. Defensive player of the year so far. Sit Mac Jones. Do not, do not play Mac Jones this week. Ooh, he, okay. he is he is a sit for me. Hard sit. <laughs> 
Cowboys have allowed the seventh most fantasy points, but you think you're just going to get killed. Like Dallas, Dallas looks like a Super Bowl contending. It could be Bills Cowboys in the Super Bowl. We will see a little bit more about that offensive line. Don't forget that uh, Patriots offensive line got decimated last week um, because I think it was COVID. Yeah, so hopefully they'll be back though, right? Wasn't that just like a oh, – Hopefully, but right. it's, I mean, nothing's guaranteed with this COVID shit anymore. Right. Um, I've actually got uh, two, two starts that I want to really hit on. Um, we were talking about one of the highest scoring games between the Browns and the Chargers. Um, who do the Browns got this week? Arizona. Guess who I think is a really good reach to start this week? Mr. Rondell Moore. Um, I have loved this dude. Um, ever since coming out of college, he's put up he's put up two good games. Um, both what, what, ironically, what, which conference did he play in? The, was it the uh, the Big Ten? Oh, yeah. I think so. Call yeah. Purdue to beat Iowa this week, Kyle. To call the Boilermakers to take down the Hawkeyes, so your Sparty goes up in the top twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you look at it, Rondell Moore has thrived against big play offenses. Minnesota, twenty-one points. San Francisco. Not a big play, but he played a big role last week, 12.2. Look for Rondell Moore to play a lot this week. I think Arizona is going to have to air it out um, because I don't think they're going to be able to get anything going on the ground. That defensive front is very good. Um, so I love starting Rondell Moore as a wide receiver too, um, and at minimum a flex option. If you have him on your bench, start him on your flex. Um, one, one thing that also can help Rondell Moore is the injury to Max Williams. Um, you know, more targets. The tight end gets hurt, so they kind of change their style a little bit where, okay, we lost our big receiving threat of Max Williams, the big guy. Let's now use the Tyreek guy a little bit more, the guy that's the speedster. So if, if more targets become available, I like them going to Rondell more. I agree. And then the other one I want to start this week, um, Cortland Sutton. His, his I love use of Cortland Sutton. I'm, I'm in on Cortland Sutton, especially over the last couple of weeks. When Teddy Bridgewater plays, Cortland is is a go-to guy, especially after all these injuries. Um, I mean, his against the Jets and the Baltimore, not great from a reception standpoint, but the last two games, 19 targets, 10 of them catches, touchdown last week. He had the big play this this past weekend. Um, definitely start Cortland Sutton. I think he's going to be a top seven wide receiver this week. As um, long as he doesn't roll his ankle in practice. God. That was funny. That's so hard to figure out when you're a manager. Like, how bad is it? Like, yeah. Oh, that's the that's a nightmare. And and I know we talked a lot about him to start or at the start of the podcast. My sit this week, unfortunately, I have a worse option for sit, but I don't know why I don't trust Dawson Knox this week. Um, going up against Tennessee, um, physical linebacker play is Dawson going to be able to get across the middle, kind of get away, get separation, possibly. But I think this is going to be a wide receiver-focused game with Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, and Stephon Diggs, maybe even sprinkle a little Gabe Davis in there this week. Um, and I also think they try to keep it on the ground and, and pound it with Zach Moss and Singletary. Um, maybe if we get in the if they get in the red zone, you're going to see Dawson Knox emerge. But I do not like the play of Dawson Knox. Um, if you look in, in ESPN Fantasy League, Tennessee is the second off um, allows the second lowest points to tight ends. Um, a lot of it has to do with that physical linebacker play. So. Um, be cautious with Doc, Dawson Knox. I totally get if you need to start him because he is he has been producing. Um, but I I don't expect to see a 15, 20 point game out of Dawson. You're maybe gonna fall in the seven to twelve range. Gaz, can I ask you a question? Sure. Because I've never had to do this before. I am now in a situation that you introduced to me of playing two tight ends. As someone who has Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews. 
Do you play them? Play them both. Put one in the flex and one at tight end. Absolutely. Yes. If that is your best scoring option, you play both. Nice. Yes. I think, look, if you just took the tight end thing away, you wouldn't think twice about it. So, yes, play both if you think they're going to score the most. I think you guys have seen this in leagues I've competed against with you guys. I love messing with people in the flex. There are times I swap it around, put my best player in the flex because when they roll down the roster, they're like, Wait, what? The, why is McCaffrey in his flex? Why is he down there? What is going on? So yeah, I you know I'm all about it. Yeah, so I can't believe with the amazing game that Pitts had, the breakout we've been waiting for. I started Pitts over Andrews. I benched Mark Andrews, and I felt like a freaking genius at like 11 a.m. on Sunday when <laughs> they're playing in London. By 11 p.m., I'm like, I'm an idiot. He <laughs> never benched Mark Andrews. So, yeah, I'm in a situation now where it's it's too good to let them sit on the bench if what we saw from Pitts continues. It was the perfect situation with no Ridley and no Gage, and we saw it come to fruition. Can he keep it going? Hopefully, hopefully he can. Yeah, I, 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 started two, I started the two tight ends last week. I started Knox and, Knox and Waller. Did you and win? Was that? Did you win? Oh, no, it's in the <laughs> Yahoo League. Still, still got me my butt kicked. But it was definitely my best option because he was he would have he would have gotten double the points anybody on my bench would have. Most people would think in like this double tight end start, they're like, okay, I need to trade one of my tight ends because only one of my tight ends plays. Well, remember, if you do trade one of your tight ends to somebody else in your league, they're going to be in that lineup probably ten times for the rest of the season. You're making someone a lot better. Yeah, exactly right. Well, we know this about the We Talk Fantasy Podcast. We are always ready to dump. Always ready to dump, all three of us. Is it time to dump? It's time to dump. Talk to you guys next week. Dumping out here.